welcome to The Big Deal, where we unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Treadray, along with Andrew Montessi and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and much more. Subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player and don't forget to sign up to www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities. Back to another episode of Big Deal. I'm Jack Hudson, and joining me as always, Port Adelaide champion Warren Treadray. Treaders, trade period's done, and um, yeah, it was a big bit of a crazy week last week. Thank God for that, Jack. Gosh, talk <laughs> about uh, we never get I, I, every year I say I'm not going to get seduced, and still I got seduced the first week. I was like, oh, hurry up, it took forever, but in the end, it turns into oh, what pick someone going to get for some player that hasn't proven himself? And oh my god, what a load of crap! But hey, it seduces us every year. And um, you look at probably uh, Port Adelaide, my old team, trading away future picks. Um, they've yeah. still got what. Pretty much a full hand bar first round pick next year. So second, third, and fourth, and fifth round picks. Um, if a player decides to leave, they could always uh, get a second round pick for a decent player, put it with the second round pick for next year, get back into the first round. So I'm not super concerned. But let's face it, they had to strike now. They reappointed Ken Hinckley. It was glaringly obvious their defence is ageing. Um, uh, obviously, Cleary's got a back problem, hasn't hardly played a game all year. Tom Jonas, their skipper, retires um, through old age like uh, it gets everyone. And uh, Trent McKenzie, who's uh, into his 30s, has had um, uh, probably a terrible year of in and out with injuries for various ankle and knee injuries. And they were found wanting at the end of the season. So you go and get Radagalia. Um, you go and get Zerk Thatcher, you go and get two Ruckman. And I think the thing that really probably caught Port out late was that Soldo became late, uh, available very late. They'd already committed to Sweet. They got young Vicentini in uh, the sample and played one AFL game this year. Decisions on Lysette and Hayes had to be made. And all of a sudden, they end up with two key defenders and um, or two defenders and two Ruckman. So I think Port's done what they needed to do. Um, there's big talk already around uh, next year and the new free agent mm. list with McCluggage will be the guy that Brisbane have already uh, earmarked that um, they're going to try and strike early. He'll be a million a year for probably five, six, seven to get away from free agency. Tim English, the same. Aaron Norton got a huge deal. English will get the same. Andrew McGrath, probably uh, Essendon, who is probably below those guys in terms of performance. But they lead a, a massive list of 2024 free agents the clubs are already looking at already. So Bailey Smith, talk around whether he's on his way out of the Bulldogs. Jerno is saying 80% chance. Well, that might be right, but the reality is um, he's contracted the dogs and he needs to perform next year and actually needs to stand and deliver. Forget about where you want to play and what money you want to earn. You're contracted. Get away in the off-season, do some hard work, get your head right and perform unbelievably well and don't have any off-field issues distract you and upset your footy because we've seen at his best in the 2021 final series. He was electric. Mm. And it's weird that they're always sat, already saying eighty percent chance of him going. Like it's still a year out. Like there's so many things that could change. Like who knows? Could be a different coach. Could be different. This could be different. That. How could be a bloke set so set on leaving already? But there was no concrete talk of him going already. Well, this is the this is the bit. Has he said it? He hasn't mm. said it. It's journalists saying it. So don't get me wrong. I've sat on both sides of this fence. 
journalists can be absolutely right on this to say that his management is going, he won't be there. They want him out. Bulldogs want to cash in. They, they might know that stuff. And as we both know, clubs will communicate to certain journalists what they're wanting to do to agitate players to get out um, mm-hmm. as opposed to this could just be pie-in-the-sky bullshit because some people have been saying Dustin Martin's been going to be leaving for three years and it hasn't happened. So, you know, it can be right and wrong, but where there's smoke, there's sometimes fire. But I still remember many years ago, Matthew Pavlich was leaving to come back to South Australia or then he was going to Carlton a few years later and he was someone who historically re-signed late and he stayed at the Dockers. So it is what it is. Let's let it breathe. Let's say cricket season get off the ground. But the Melbourne Footy Club won't seem to be letting that happen. They don't want cricket season to come. They just want to be in the headlines 24-7. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Obviously, Joel Smith. Um, yeah, what's going on there, Traders? It looks like West Coast 2.0 from the mid 2000s, folks. Well, this is this is a cultural problem. I don't care what anyone says, and you know, Max Gorn, their skipper, spoke out to say that adversity, strong leadership comes through. That's absolutely true, and I feel sorry for the players who are doing the right thing, but. This is not a, an isolated instance. And when you say, I feel sorry for Joel Smith, well, you're the one that took cocaine three days out or two days out from a game. Mm-hmm. You're lucky. Um, and this is where the AFL's um, education drug system for non-performance enhancing drugs out of competition. So to understand in competition, out of competition, um, if you're effectively, we say in competition, which means not 24 hours out of a game, but if you play on a Saturday night, it's from 12.01 a.m. Friday morning. So if you test positive um, before a match and immediately uh, in the, in the, the the time after the match, then you'll be facing the WADA code, which effectively can be four years for a uh, positive test. Mm. In this case, you've got to ask the question, yes, he's out of competition because it's a Wednesday or Thursday night before a Sunday game in the final round of the season. But hang on. Here's a club who's had all sorts of off-field issues. Stephen May Melsham had a punch-up two years ago or 18 months ago. Um, Simon Goodwin's faced his challenges. Glenn Bartler, their former president, flagged that he wanted, uh, with the AFL's consent, to bring in hair testing for senior executives of their club, which means him, his board, senior managers of finance, of marketing, of football, of coaching, and all those. Why? Because they realise that they've got some issues that they need to get on top of. And I think that's great leadership from him. And he's no longer in the chair now, so he's been agitated against. So that's another story again. You look at how um, Clayton Oliver has been questioned for his professionalism. It's not on the field because why would they sign a seven-year, $7 million deal for a player who is arguably the best clearance player in the comp, I think won four best and fairest, three All-Australians at Premiership, superstar player. But it's because what is happening off the field? They're talking about mental health. They're talking about other challenges he faces. So you throw in not only Smith, who's tested positive to cocaine midweek before a game. Mm. But you need a high on a Wednesday or Thursday before you play a game of footy. Like, And I'm not oblivious to think that, hang on, people are going to face challenges. They are. Footballers are probably a greater risk than the public because they've got extra money. They live in a cocoon life. They want to break out for some people that want to be those types of players that want to be out and live amongst it. But on a Wednesday or Thursday night before a Sunday game, that's just one. Your job, first and foremost, is to be a professional, recover from games, perform on the field. And, yeah, I could understand if it was a Saturday night, too many drinks, celebrated a big win and then did something they regret. But to say that 
you do it on a Wednesday or Thursday, it just doesn't make sense. So don't get me get me wrong. There's a lot of people doing a lot of right things at the Melbourne Footy Club. But when Stephen May wants to say they're best and fairest, it should have been us, should have been Collingwood, could have, should have, would have. Because we know that they had 20-plus um, more shots on goal in both, you know, almost in both of their games. More, Sorry, more inside 50s, but they couldn't perform. And maybe this is the thing that's holding them back. It's not talent. Because we know Melbourne, the last three years, have probably been the best, one of the best-performed teams in the comp. They have the talent, they just haven't been able to execute other than 2021 when they won the flag. And since then, let's face it, it's been a slow self-destruction. And when your coach has got some challenges, um, your, your president's flagged that he wants to hair test senior executives to your club. You've got a young player who's now facing a ridiculous three-month ban in the off-season. Like, that's hardly going to be a deterrent for anyone. The AFL needs to step up in that area. And then your best clearance player has been offered up for trade because he's got issues off the field that um, he's, you know, something needs to happen. And I get it by putting Oliver up for trade and giving me a kick up the bum. For him um, being luckily invited by Max Gordon and his wife to live in their house, that says you there's issues. That says they're trying. But, geez, if the AFL doesn't get serious on this drug stuff and you give someone a three-month off-season ban... Give us a spell. Yeah, and how, how will it affect like um, sponsorships, attendances? Like the fans will surely crack it if the club's not got its stuff together. Really, well, well, fans are very loyal, um, yeah. and they love their club. And and this is the thing that footy is tribal because there's a lot of stuff to go. Why would you go for that club? I don't know. It's just their colours. It's just me. It's my brand. It's <laughs> you know, if no one says it's my brand, but there's there's an alignment for some reason a colour, a player in the past, a player in the future. Someone signed an autograph for me when I saw them. Someone was really nice to me when I went to a coaching clinic, even though, you know, as we know in the town of Adelaide, there's there's so many stories I've heard where there's the black sheep of the family, you know, and he happens to be generational Crows fans and all of a sudden one kid said he wants to be a poor fan, so mum and dad have to go to poor games to support him. You know what I mean? That, that happens in every industry to and from against. Um but as you say, the fans are loyal as they can, but eventually attendance will start to fall away. Sponsorships will start to fall away because no one likes a problem child unless you can get on top of it. Yeah. You look at all the best teams happening, for all Collingwood's issues there, trading out players they wanted to get in, culturally kicking them out, signing big deals on Brody Grundy. But what have they done? They've, run, they've done culture first to turn that around. They've got their salary cap sorted. Their club is aligned and they're having success. Melbourne, who's as much talent as, as um, Collingwood is, they just don't seem aligned, 100% aligned. No, and you can see that sometimes with the way they play too. But, Treaders, there's a bit of a stress going on in AFL club directors' league. What's uh, what's going on there? Yeah, well, it's more than a stress. This is the bit that any director of any company is liable. So I know for a fact that, Clubland, in terms of club directors, whether your club's got eight or ten directors on an AFL table, they're knocking the door down on the AFL saying, we need to sort out this concussion situation ASAP. So with the litigations rolling on, the AFL Commission, more importantly, and all the 18 club club directors are effectively legally liable if any of these successful claims of class actions go through. So as we all know that insurance is on the hook first, mm-hmm. um, we've seen it in America, but imagine if the fee that they can't, you know, I'm not sure what the policy is, 
what happens if the figure they settle for is above what the insurance policy is willing to make? Well, who's on the hook? The AFL and their directors. So I know the fact that Clubland, there's a lot of directors that have actually asked for guidance from the AFL. The AFL is holding back on that guidance because they also are on the hook and they don't want to be liable and they don't want to be total liability. Um, so this is the biggest issue. And there's also some info that I've been told is that there's two big class actions at the moment. I've heard a whisper that one of those class actions is going to fall over simply because they've run out of finance funds to keep the litigation going on. So uh, a birdie in Clubland told me, we want this settled ASAP. And when they say this settled ASAP, the one remaining litigation and class action that's going, they want it sorted ASAP because there's a lot of directors who are very wealthy people who are legally on the hook uh, if this goes south for the game. Yeah, that's not good. So, yeah, that's crazy, Shadows. That's (laughs) going to trouble a lot of people. Now, Cricket Australia, we'll move on from footy. We'll go to Cricket Australia. So, bit going on because Glenn Maxwell, Marcus Stoinis and Adam Zamp have all fielded formal inquiries from T20 franchises looking to employ cricketers for 12 months of the year after Cricket Australia declined to offer them multi-year deals. So, what's going on here? Well, this is funny, isn't it? We're fighting in a World Cup at the moment. We've won three games, I think, by memory. We need need another three to get through. We haven't played great. We're sort of going all right. But off the field, there's a greater fight here because the question here remains around all of it is we want our best players available to play for Australia in all three formats. 2021 days, uh, particularly the World Cup that's going on right now, and our Test Series. We know that some of the biggest names... The Pat Cummins of the world, the Mitchell Starks, uh, all these types of guys, Ricky Ponting back in the day, Michael Clark, Dave Warner is a great example, is the money from the IPL when the bigger franchises comes. Mm. But when do our players get a break? So what Cricket Australia have done is offered multiple years. So remember there was always the 12 monthly contract list. It's a bit archaic, but it's developed a little bit over time. But it was always one year at a time, one year at a time. And then they started to buck the trend and Gilchrist would get a couple of years, Ponting would get two or three years. So they're locked away, unbelievably so, because they needed to be. They're the best performers, they're the greatest revenue raisers and the biggest names in the game. But what's happened here is is a real um, divide because what Cricket Australia believes is the most value is obviously the Test Series, Right. To a lesser extent, what did they sell out? When I was a kid, it was always one day. They were huge and everyone's test because they'd always fill out. Now the 2020 is the biggest slice of the game. But as we're seeing with the IPO and all the other leagues, even America's got a league now, Pakistan's got a league, the IPO as we touched on, the 100 in England, uh, IPL in England, uh, sorry, not IPL, the, the, the 2020 in England. So everyone's got a league. But what's happened is Cricket Australia has locked away eight test stars, which includes Pat Cummins and Manus Labashane. Labashane's given a three-year deal, but he can't make our one-day team. So what's sitting back here is creating a great opportunity to um, – so sure, you want to lock away your test stars and your best performers, but your biggest risk is the fact that the white ball stars are – now available to be seized upon by cricket's franchises for, you know, they're planned for world domination. So we know that the big game for some of the teams, and we see it in soccer, where Manchester City owns Melbourne City, which I think owns the Yokohama Mariners, um, Marino, sorry, who uh, was coached by Ange Postacoglu, I think uh, is now Musket. I think he's one of the yep. teams owned by Melbourne, uh, so by the uh, Manchester City group. What they're looking at doing now is they're actually... The plan is long-term. For example, an IPL team could 
pay for Dave Warren to be their player, but also then own an American franchise, own a Pakistan franchise in the UAE because um, they have that combined, own an Australian franchise if that's able to be done. So that all of a sudden, a Dave Warner might earn 10 million bucks a year and he plays in five tournaments for the one franchise. So what's happening here is the Glenn Maxwells of the world who were the best at 2020 and 50 over cricket, Marcus Stoinis, a superstar, Adam Zampel was the best, arguably the best um, one-day bowler in the world and also super, uh, superstar in 2020s, have effectively all filtered in inquiries around T20 franchises around the world looking for their employers because, let's face it, if they're only going to get 12-month contracts with Australia and you're getting towards the end, why would you sit there and go, hey, Australia actually doesn't want them because they tried to get multi-year deals. Why would you stay and represent your country on 12 monthly deals when you could lock away a deal to say, I play in five leagues and five times more money uh, and look after my long-term future? I think Cricket Australia stuffed this up. Not surprising. They they do tend to stuff things up from time to time, but Cricket's Not as bad as some sport, though. Oh, yeah, well, we'll get into that just in a second, but it's just bizarre. Cricket looks like it's at a, it's a crossroads of where it's going to go in the future. But a sport that is absolutely going up a certain creek, Treaders, is swimming. And Swimming Australia is uh, in all sorts because uh, Gina Reinhardt's walked away. Yeah, well, this has been happening for quite some time. And, and everyone wants to clip Gina Reinhardt. But what she does do is put her money where her mouth is. And she's a great public persona. And she's a persona is big because she's wealthy. But she doesn't speak out much about various issues. But... Now, let's face it, Gina Reinhardt has bankrolled Australian swimming for many years and she's injected more than $60 million into the Olympic and Paralympic sports and she still sponsors 92 elite swimmers. But her relationship with Swimming Australia was effectively broken two years ago and this is where it's classic, where the former chief executive, Eugenie Buckley, resigned in April this year after a power battle with uh, disenchanted members of state organisations. And this is the problem, is the Sporting Globe's world body, World Aquatics, has threatened to expel Australia unless it improves its governance. Mm -hmm. And there will be a major vote for a proposed new constitution um, on Friday. So Swimming Australia has effectively dropped around revenue of 10 million to 3 million. Wonder where that 7 million was coming from? Pretty obvious, isn't it? Yep. Gina Reinhardt. So this all happened. Remember when the, the recent Olympics, um, Channel 7, who was the broadcaster of the Olympics, had crossed, obviously, the delayed Olympics um, because of COVID, crossed all these families effectively uh, at Noosa, in the Noosa mm. Surf Club, where all the families are cheering on, grandma, grandpa sitting there, everyone. Who bankrolled that? Gina Reinhardt. Gina Reinhardt flew the families of the competing people to be based in Noosa, to set up a hub so they could celebrate and broadcast for Channel 7 to get exposure for swimming, the sports she loves, of these families. Only in a, a chance um, situation, she had a, a discussion with a family member and the family member revealed that their athlete or their daughter or son, whoever it was, hadn't been paid for a couple of months because of invoicing problems. And this is where it all fell apart because she was writing the, the, the check, the $7 million check for Swimming Australia, mm. but then started hearing various bits and pieces of slow invoice payments, missed invoice payments. Um, so she asked some questions. Swimming Australia, in fact, didn't want to open the books to the lady. It was a bankrolling 70% of their income. Uh, and all of a sudden, she's now just taken it in-house herself. So um, the, the invoicing and the support is now actually going through Swimming Queensland and the rest is uh, history because, uh, let's face it, uh, the sport 
it, it's in a, a unique situation, dominating the world, mm. but a rabble behind the scenes. Imagine so if that. you can sort it out, and, and and when your major partner sponsor wants to know where their money's going and how it's being spent, I suggest you open up your books. Yeah, you want to you want to give them some answers. Um, oh, unbelievably. Hopefully, it doesn't get to a point where the Aussies are uh, booted out of uh, yeah world aquatics. That's for sure. Now, while we could be booted out, a, a team could be coming into the NRL. And that's uh, a Papua New Guinea team, which would be crazy for the 18th side after a bit of issue with the uh, North Sydney Bears. Yeah, well, this is uh, interesting. They're, they lost a eleven million that was promised from the New South Wales government funding. Um, so effectively, the Papua New Guinean team's in the box seat to win the 18th NRL side. Well, isn't it funny? 18, 18 AFL. They're going head-to-head -head the NRL, aren't they? Um, and, and this is all funding that was promised for Dominic Perrottet's uh, outside Liberal government. So obviously he didn't get in. So the uh, North Sydney Bears have lost their 11 million proposal. Um, and the new... Uh, it's been scrapped by new Labor Premier Chris Minns. So on the other hand, the federal government, backed by Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, has effectively said to improve international relations and to keep Papua New Guinea with Australia and away from China, oh, this is my reading of it, um, is that they've asked the Australian government uh, with the PNG uh, proposal and the NRL um, and they're saying uh, effectively backing it uh, to, to the 2025 mark for the 50th anniversary of the country's independence. So, and Anthony Albanese, you know, is adamant that he wants to deliver this. Um, obviously, China's a growing influence in the region. They'll play some games in Cairns, play some games uh, and be based in Port Moresby. Um, so effectively, they're committing uh, $5.5 million to help the PNG prepare a business case for the NRL bid to be developed, um, develop a pipeline of players. And, you know, effectively, they're saying the Albanese government has privately reported, this is uh, some of the journalists reporting, that his government is prepared to help underwrite a team for up to $25 million a year. So... Who says political uh, political uh, landscapes don't get involved in sport? Um, mm. But yeah, if that helps the people of uh, Papua New Guinea get a, a team in the NRL, uh, I think it adds to the, the the system like we've seen over the journey with the Dolphins. Have been a great addition, and and probably arguably you, you look at the Dolphins addition compared to the GWS and the Sydney addition, um, they're probably more successful in such a short piece of time in terms of grabbing audience and, and admittedly too, they're actually in a rugby league territory which makes it a little bit easier compared to, for example, like the Gold Coast in the AFL. It hasn't really worked. It's funny because I was literally going to say, um, don't tell me that sports and politics don't mix because it's clear no. right Well, and let's face it too, you know, yeah, Albanese government was a big backer of the AFL. The AFL obviously was going and supporting the voice and various things that the AFL, the, the, the federal government has wanted to push through. All of a sudden, a Tasmanian licence appears too. So that, that's how a lot of it is. And then if you look at the history over the AFL's journey in terms of funding, state governments, Adelaide Oval was refunded off the back of state government funding. Um same thing happened in Perth with the Perth Stadium, Optus Stadium over there. It'll happen in um, Tassie. Uh, we've also seen it in the um, uh, NRL with the new Sydney Footy Stadium that's that's, that's lobbed. Um, Marvel Stadium, when the AFL bought it, got some funding support through the AFL. That happened there. The, the Andrews government 
upgraded the MCG to keep the, the MC to keep the grand final at the MCG for fifty years. That's how it all works. Yep, it's where they get the cash in. from. Deepest pockets of the government, even though they just take a loan out. <laughs> Speaking of deep pockets, um, Giannis, he's just penned a nice uh, extension. Yes, the man of the longest name, Giannis Antetokounmpo, has signed a three-year extension, 186 million US, which is 293 million Australian dollars. He'd be disappointed it didn't get to the big 300 million dollar Australia <laughs> dollar. Uh, hopefully, the uh, well, if the Aussie dollar drops, he's he's going really well. But yeah, 293 million Australian for a three-year deal. He's got a player option for the 2027-28 season. The two-time MVP, and he's pretty much put it back on the Bucks franchise to say, hey, we need to deliver. I'm happy to commit, but I want to see a roster. Well, what they've done is they've got Damian Lillard in, and uh, now Giannis's new commitment uh, covers the duration of the newly traded guardian, uh, Damian Lillard. So, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a big hit for him. Yeah, he's two-time MVP, superstar. Um, I think he won one championship too. Um and, you know, he's going to be even better and is arguably unstoppable. Yeah, it's a huge signing, especially from Lillard as well. Um, in terms of um, Aussies, uh, Xavier Cooks this morning waived by the Washington Wizards, but there's a chance he could return to the NBL. Who knows? Um, the City Kings, I'm sure, are keeping their uh, eyes peeled on that one. And Jop Wraith as well was waived by Portland and signed a two-way contract with them. So, yeah, big going on. Well, there's plenty going on because Spurs' number one pick, uh, Victor... Mm. When Bamia, I can't even. When Benyama, When Benyama, When Benyama said that a few times. They said, um, <laughs> "This is funny." Even the big pop uh, Popovich, the the coach, has pretty much said, "Well, mate, I've looked over Hall of Fame careers and Dave Robinson, and um, I've just had a blank." Uh, Tim Duncan, um, he said, mate, this bike will be even bigger. Why? Because of social media. And this is it's been an instant hit for them, uh, the Spurs, because they they won the. The the uh, lottery pick number one, they get Wemba Nyama. Uh, their national TV audience has really up four times um, to nineteen times uh, in the in the current roster that's come out. They've received four thousand new ticket uh, deposits generated, um, largest number of overall season accounts in franchise history. So already without it, what a couple of games being played, mm. um, we're in effectively in a situation where. Um, the youngest name in the game, seven foot four. Yeah, he's a giant. And he needs to eat because he's as skinny as a, yeah, you wouldn't send him to um, the abattoirs anytime soon because uh, <laughs> he needs to get some meat on the bones. Um, but yeah, you know, for him, who's going to take the world by storm. He's a superstar player and, um, and a little bit closer to home, uh, Aussie Josh Green signed a three-year, forty-one million dollar US deal, which is sixty-four million Australian dollars, and he's just twenty-two years old. Um, also saw a brief, uh, brief article too. They said uh, they said within the next pay, pay TV cycle or TV cycle of their new broadcast rights, the um, NBA, they're expecting they'll see their first hundred million annual US dollar deal. So someone will be earning a hundred million dollars US per annum. By the end of the next deal, unbelievable it is. That's nice and frightening, is it? Ah, <laughs> oh. was... oh, it's just going crazy. The amount of money going nuts. Joel Embiid, you know, yeah. if, if you ever thought, here's a question for you, a little trivia, and you as you're listening, what a Harry Kane, Matt Fitzpatrick, and Joel Embiid have in common? 
let you shoe on that for a little bit before we give you the answer. <laughs> but that's because uh, Mr. Embiid is uh, finalising a deal to endorse Sketches as the first athlete in its new basketball division. Isn't it funny, though, because we, we revealed it what, a couple of months ago on The Big Deal is that Harry Kane had signed the Sketches and he had actually been mm. trialling them. He, he wore them to Australia when he was still a Tottenham Hotspur. Um, obviously blacked out shoes, so no one could see any branding on them. Um, the same thing's happening in the NBA. So uh, Embiid has tested the Sketches basketball shoe um, and brand representatives on hand. They got his feedback at a 76ers uh, practice uh, on Wednesday. So he's reportedly going to be start wearing the Sketches NBA shoe. Um, and they're still, and the way they're doing their deals going after golfer Mike Fitz, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, should I say, um, Harry Kane in soccer, who's the Bayern Munich star, former Spurs and England captain. Um, it likens it to when Under Armour went after Seth Curry, they went after Tom Brady, they went after Jordan Spieth. So it looks like sketches are just going, hang on, we want to get into sport, we want to do niche, we want to pick our targets, we want to go after our brand ambassadors, and that's exactly what they're doing here. Um, because Embiid originally signed an Under Armour deal when he uh, first released his signature shoe uh, back in September 2020, but he's obviously jumping ship. And uh, Nick Ford, uh, Julius Randle and LA Clippers, Terrence Mann also expected to sign with footwear uh, company sketches too. So plenty happening. And uh, if you go back many, many years ago, uh, who knows? Maybe there's a Jordan-type ownership deal as part of this. Yeah, maybe. NBA, it's an interesting world right now, and uh, Amazon has got its eye firmly on the league traders. What's going on? Because well, there's a lot of numbers here. Yeah, there's huge numbers. Anything in American sport is huge numbers, particularly when you start with NFL, which is the biggest sport, NBA, the next best. But Amazon have obviously done the Thursday night footy package on the NFL. But according to sources, after it agreed to pay the billion dollars a year for the NFL Thursday night football through to 2033, the e-commerce giants are now eyeing, what can we get in NBA? The package, they want a package either a Tuesday or a Thursday night. So what's happening here is the success of Thursday night football, which is, is huge in America. Yep. They're effectively saying um, the NBA is intrigued by Amazon's ability to draw an audience. And the reason why this audience is so interesting is that their audience is an average seven years younger than the NFL's legacy TV partners. So the NBA is sitting back going, hey, this Thursday night football that Amazon's going is getting great numbers, but it's getting great numbers in the target audiences, which is seven years younger. And as we know, the younger we are in terms of, I'm talking adults here, I'm not talking kids, but <laughs> if you, you go to a marketer and say, hey, I want to sell to a 60-year-old, 60-year-olds don't spend as much. No as a 26-year-old or a 36-year-old or a 46-year-old. Everyone spends differently. So what the NBA is doing is actually sitting sitting by and looking, going, hey, here's a seven-year-younger demo we can sell, right? Our broadcasters can sell in terms of advertising. So instead of your parents going, hey, I've got this Apple 5 phone, right, the Apple iPhone, now you can get what's the current model? I've got a 12. I think there's a 14 out now, isn't there? Yeah. Um, so... All of a sudden, for example, say an Apple might come into the market and go, hey, we're going to advertise more on Thursday night because we've got a younger audience who's more likely to buy our products. So this is where uh, the niches of marketing are actually uh, happening too. So beginning with the 2025-26 season, the NBA will seek an estimated $50 billion to $75 billion for its next cycle of long-term media rights. So 
the leg still in negotiations ex, um, exclusivity with the incumbent medium partners, which is the first effectively go, hey, we'll come to you first and see what you can do. Then we can go to market. So this turns Walt Disney's ESPN and Warner Brothers Discovery Sports TNT. So they're the two long-term partners. Don't be surprised to see if Amazon is actually going to enter the NBA broadcast rights, particularly off the back half, the point of difference, which is the younger audience. Yeah, 100%. And they do a lot of good docos on Amazon as well, the uh, all-or-nothing docos. They've done Manchester City, Outboys, Arsenal, so they've done a few of those, and they get hooked. Now, different type of audience here. I'm not touching this. (laughs) This is your baby. I I refuse to put this on the run sheet. This is my baby, allegedly. So, uh, Chiefs tight end um, Travis Kelsey. Um, invested in a tequila company, a, a tequila company this year before the Super Bowl. And according to that company's officials, he made an attractive investor in due to helping broaden its reach by introducing the drink to sports fans. Here's mm-hmm. the catch. He's uh, Taylor Swift's alleged uh, new partner. Wow. <laughs> Her presence at Chiefs games has reportedly now led to a drinking game for fans that tequila makers are said to be very grateful about. Do a shot of tequila every time a face shows up on screen. I feel like as uh, as parents, you'd be screwed, wouldn't you? If you did uh, that drinking game, you'd be in strife. Well, I've I met many drinking games over the journey. Um, but remember the song Roxanne? Yes. Mm. There was a situation where I made Monday once in my final year. I knew it was time to retire. Because they <laughs> started playing Roxanne. So every time you hear the name Ro- Roxanne, you've got to drink a shot of beer right. or a sip of beer in your right hand, then you have a, a beer in the left hand. And every time you hear this put on the red light, you've got to drink out of the left hand. It doesn't end up well for people, so these games. And that is a very smart thing because, um, yeah, let's, be, let's be frank, the NFL are very happy that Taylor Swift and what's his name, Kelsey, are going out or hanging out or in a business relationship or an emotional, physical relationship. I don't know what sort of relationship it is because – when it drives people to a different audience we touched on before to watch the game or to be invested in the game or the game outside the game in this relationship, for example, then it's only going to put more eyeballs and bring more people and more money to the game. Yeah, Swifties are nuts, Shredders. Yeah, keep away from them, I'd say. Um, let's go back to the world of sports business properly. Uh, well, it League... brings the terminology to pull on another Swifty a bit different, doesn't it? <laughs> Very true. Let's go to the Premier League salary cap. Imagine this happening. Manchester City oh, have been a bit of strife. Jeez. Yeah, well, don't worry. Our boys Arsenal have spent a fair bit of late too. But, yeah, I, this is the one bit. I love Premier League. This is the one bit that Bar Leicester winning about, what, 2014 maybe by memory? Yeah, around that period. Yeah. We haven't had anyone out of the box win it who hasn't spent an exorbitant amount of cash. Mm. And, and since that journey, more recently, Manchester United have struggled off the back of their spending, but they just can't get their performance together. So... Um, this would be an interesting game changer too because what we're effectively revealing, there have been discussions underway amongst league officials of potential hard cap structure, salary cap that is. So Mm. effectively financial fair play has governed this for a number of years to say a percentage of your revenue can only be spent on players. You go above, look at Barcelona, they've got challenges, they have to sell off players because they've got too much debt and they weren't being a viable business. So, you know, the payroll disparity and the competitive balance is the real concern which is driving this consideration because 
you know, pluck a figure. Years ago, it used to be worth £40 million to get upgraded to the first division, the Premier League, up from first division. Now that's over £100 million. If your team goes down like a Leicester City, fire sale, sell your players because you can't afford to play the assets. And, you know, none other than Tottenham Hotspur and uh, Madison and, and Ange Postacoglu got him over and above and he's been a superstar. But mm. Leicester have to sell him because they can't afford his salary on the lower le- level. Um, and also, too, the best players in the world want to be playing in the best comp. So, you know, this is a challenge. They've been grappling with rising player compensation, competitive imbalance. We've seen Saudis come in, throw a huge amount of money. So where does it stop? So the Premier League is looking at a possibility of implementing a rather American concept, which is a team hard salary cap. So the league has already subjected, as I said before, UEFA's financial fair play regulations, which is to effectively keep teams solvent. Um, Mm. But the Premier League officials are looking at potentially going a little bit further. So the other question I have with this, this is great, but if you want to go further, they already paid the most money apart from Real Madrid and a couple of big clubs. Bayern Munich are a competitor. Borussia Dortmund are a competitor. Barcelona are certainly a competitor at their best. Um, Real Madrid, definitely. But who outside of those leagues can really afford? The biggest Italian clubs can't afford the money that's been on offered on an average basis in the English Premier League because it's the biggest league in the world. Um, but would this actually create a bigger shed of players to Saudi Arabia if they're going to yeah. put caps on it? So this is going to be interesting. I'd love to see for... Equality space, I think that's what the AFL and the NRL have got in a pretty good space. Um, the fact that we do have a salary cap, we are governing a salary cap, we are investigating other payments outside the salary cap. Um, but I'd love to know how the big clubs are going to generate um, their exorbitant money or the clubs just get richer and the players don't. I'm not sure. Has the quality- to be, for me, it has to be a percentage of your, your revenue. The quality would crash and burn, especially with, um, yeah, like you said, Saudi Arabia. Um, even players can would go to Italy. They'd go to Spain, France, Paris Saint Germain. But it would be yeah. ridiculous. But, for but the biggest players. challenge, the biggest challenge on some of those, and we'll get to the soccer. Is I just saw a story recently too that um, the the French Football Association and um, the League One in in France are, are looking to sell their broadcast rights. Well, there were no takers on their broadcast rights recently because the likes of Neymar have left, Messi have left, Mbappe wants to leave. So all of a sudden putting France League on the map now um, makes it more difficult. The Serie A has just signed their new deal. So uh, I think it is a challenge, but also too, I did see some info to say that Steven Gerrard managed his team played um, Al Halal, I think it was, and there were about 860 fans of the game. So that is wow. the other side of the Saudi Arabian deal. And not all those clubs are like that. It was one example that I'd seen recently. So... Now, we get to the other aspect, and, and he's getting closer to the end, certainly is um, Messi, Lionel Messi, groundbreaking numbers at the MLL, uh, MLS, Jack. He's done unbelievably well, hasn't he? Attendance hit the 10.4 million mark, and they're about to go into their final round, and it's already broken records, but they could reach 11 million this weekend, which is wild. League records, seven clubs should break attendance records. Four clubs sold out every regular season match. How wild is that? And he earns the most in the league as he deserves, but he earns it quite comfortably in front of the next two. Yeah, well, and so he should. So they're saying um, he earns twenty point four million US with the interface salary of twelve, further bonuses and sign on fees, including shared revenues with the league with Apple, Adidas, Fanatics. Um, you know, so this only takes home about sixty million US. So all of a sudden, the twenty million he earns was only with Inter. 
Mm. Uh, so, but he gets a percentage of Inter's revenues, rise in revenues, rise in attendance, the games and competition revenue, opposition teams, the whole lot. So, you know, you talk about the next highest player is ex Napoli star Lorenzo in Insigni. I think his name yep. is Italian winger. He's on fifteen point four million US at to Toronto. And Shakiri, who used to play at Liverpool, former winger, he's on eight point one US dollars. So it's been unbelievable. But even the, the challenges, as Messi as he keeps getting older, is his reliability, his body, his performance. He always has his touch, which has always be be a success. And probably by playing at a lesser league like the MLS compared to, as we say, La Liga or going to the Premier League or League One or Serie A, is it'd be able to play a little bit longer. But it's a two and a half year deal. It's been unbelievable, and they're not even in the new stadium yet. So um, once that happens. Look out. On the other side, this is where the investment on professional athletes can always bite you. We know that Neymar has effectively gone to the Saudi Arabia, leaving uh, Paris Saint-Germain. I think it's on a two-year deal. Goes in, I think, on memory, he's behind Ronaldo, behind Benzema on the third highest paid deal. Um, His Saudi team paying him 160 million US dollars, uh, sorry, Aussie dollars per annum. But he's out for an indefinite period, Jack, because he's just mm. done his ACL whilst playing for Brazil uh, in yep. an international. So the beauty of recons for soccer as opposed to AFL or NRL is it's an eight-month rehab, um, eight- to nine-month rehab as opposed to 12 months. Um, mm. So they're going to be hoping he gets back real soon because at the moment they're still paying his social media account every time he posts. His 12 staff members are renting his 20-room place with 20 swimming pools and 48 bathrooms and the whole lot, and he's used a private jet while it happens. So this is the downside. Get one of the best players in the world, but when he gets injured, bites you pretty quickly. Yeah, eight months uh, to hopefully play for next year's uh, Copa America. And what made worse, matters worse for Brazil, they lost to Uruguay for the first time in nearly about two Yonks. decades, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. long time. Uh, Formula One, US Grand Prix, a bit ugly. There's some booing. There's some races being stripped of their finish. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, well, Dan Ricciardo, he's root of failed team strategy from Alfa Toure. Um, the Aussie settled for 17th place at United States GP. Um, first, his first game, uh, game I should say, his first race back from a broken hand. Um, made a strong start to fifteenth, climbing to tenth place, as high as seventh as a result of some poor pit stops and early retirements around him. But then it all went crashing down. But the biggest story around was Charles Leclerc from Ferrari and Lewis Hamilton from Mercedes were stripped of their second place and six places. So um, yeah, Hamilton was second, Leclerc six. They had a post race technical inspection they found that their car was set up lower than allowed according to regulations so both players see you later winner max mm. was tapping he got booed probably because he's good yep i'd say that well yeah there you go take it as a compliment jason horn francis um yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> live golf to wrap up um season's finished but what's next what's going on well the the shark greg norman He's confident he's around next year. Um, there's talk that next year will roll out. Um, no concrete details for the 2024 schedule um, yet to be released. We know the merger is going to be talked, but they're still saying that there'll still be their 14 or so events next year, hopefully add to it more, which means the people of South Australia will be happy that Live Golf will be returning on, I think it was a three-year deal. They originally signed the Premier over here, Labor Government, mm-hmm. Peter Malinowskis. So I think Live Golf was good. I went along. I loved it. Um 
do it. They need a, t- a TV broadcast deal instead of streaming that's going to help them. Um, mm. If they can do that, um, I think it'll help. And, and if they come part of this um, US PGA deal, TV deal, that um, I'd love to see um, some of the best players merge in and out of it. And if, you know, the Rory McIlroy's of the world don't want to play any live golf tournaments, that's fine. Um, open it for some who want to, or you just leave it as, as live specialist players, but those players can also go and play in some of the big tournaments on the US PGA Tour. So uh, the good news is it's continuing, and Greg Norman, by the look of it, the way he was talking, he isn't, isn't going anywhere because he was originally going to be perceived as the first ball guy in this. All right, there you go. That wraps it up for this week, Treaders. Um, as always, follow the big deal on socials, like, subscribe, do all that jazz, and um, see you next week. See you then. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Big Deal. Before you go, don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news as it happens and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.